98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata. It's going to be lit is what I hear every single day. It's, it's, it's the greatest radio show ever. Dan Bickley. Vince Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. I love this show. <laughs> Me too. It's the greatest radio show really that's is. ever existed. Yeah, it really, really In is. case you needed a refresher for the new version of the prolonged open. Let's cut the crap, Mr. Murata. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, Valley sports fans. Happy Thursday. Nice view, huh? Yeah, I would. Looks call, good. I would. I would say it's a yeah. vista. Looks good from two games to zero up. It's always a good look. It really does. Uh, I came out of last night's game with two questions external to the actual game, which we're going to spend the next four hours discussing. Okay. Uh, number one: What exactly was the meaning of? Larry Fitzgerald and Kyler Murray talking on the baseline. Caught on camera. Mm-hmm. Was it cordial? Was it more? Was it nothing? I was wondering about that, Vinny. Should I share my joke that I told you off the air? Mm-hmm. I wonder if it involved the phrase, Hi, I'm Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> I would like to laugh as hard now as I did the first time, but the first time I hadn't heard that joke, and it was just purely brilliant. Hey, I, I'm I'm Larry Fitzgerald, if you didn't know. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the other thing is, is the gorilla being phased out during Suns games? No? Does no. he Does he still do? Because he doesn't do on-court stuff the way he used to. Nobody's doing on-court no stuff. No one's doing stuff. No. Okay. So, so he, he's up in, well, I think it's section 105 right. for most okay. of the game, all and right. then a couple of giveaways he'll be able to mill about right. the crowd. But So eventually he'll be back to jumping off trampolines and dunking basketballs? Hope so. Okay. I'm hoping Just by the beginning of next that. year. Okay. Just curious about that. Yeah. All right. That's all hey, I got. Hey, you got an answer. That's all I, I got. I can't answer the first question for you. Yeah. I don't know what was going on there. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Jared Carlin's on vacation. This is, you know what, this, this is very, very interesting, too, because this NBA schedule is wreaking havoc in our industry mm-hmm. all across. Like, I, I saw an NBA writer, Sam, I, no, no, it wasn't Sam Mamick, who was it? Somebody had gone on vacation and was apologizing. Hey, man, I'm sorry, you know, I, I, it's, this is what we generally do, right? Mm-hmm. Jared's out on vacation. It's the NBA season playing out into summer, has kind of really disrupted the mechanics of our industry. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is normally the time they're in the finals. Now, yeah. of course, last year at this time there was no basketball going on, right. and they pushed everything back, and that's why we're, we're all kind of dealing with it. fascinating to see what the NBA does with this going forward, whether they really want to stick with this summertime kind of experience. Mm, they're going to want to get back to 82 games. Okay. So. <laughs> we got bigger fish to fry today. Let's start the show. Splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Destruction. There is no other way to term the Phoenix Suns game to 123-98 win over the Denver Nuggets in downtown Phoenix last night. The Suns won every quarter of the game. 
They led by as many as 31 points en route to their fifth straight playoff win. Devin Booker led six Suns players in double figures with 18 points. Chris Paul, 17 points, 15 assists, zero turnovers. By the way, since turnovers were first tracked in the NBA, there's only been nine games in which a player has had 15 or more assists and zero turnovers in a game. Of those nine, three belong to Chris Paul, and he's done it for three different franchises in three different decades. That's really <laughs> that. I mean, could you could you paint a better picture with that statistic? No, you couldn't. No, nope. that's, that's truly remarkable. That uh, that frames Chris Paul for who he is and what he and what he still is. Yeah, which was, right? he was amazing last night. Denver coach Michael Malone called his team soft after Game One. After last night, he said he felt they quit. Nikola Jokic playing his first game after winning the MVP award, scored 24 points, grabbed 13 rebounds, but disagreed again with Malone's assessment. Michael Porter Jr. played through back issues, but was pretty terrible all night. He shot just 3 of 13 from the floor and was a target of the Suns' offense all night long. He finished with a game-worst minus 26 plus-minus rating. Will Barton did play for the first time since April and was a rare bright spot for Denver. He had 10 points and 15 minutes off the bench, but... Man, you got to dig pretty deep um, to find a, an, another bright spot for the Denver Nuggets who are in an 0-2 hole. Game 3 at Ball Arena in Denver tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tip. You can hear it here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, beginning with pregame coverage at 6 o'clock. It was a uh, another special yeah, night at really Phoenix was. Suns Arena. That's a good way of putting it. it. There was a real sense of power and control from the Phoenix Suns last night that that really have kind of... I don't know, open some eyes, open some horizons. They've got a very special opportunity now to make short work of a series in a Western Conference semifinals. And in the in the context of the NBA playoffs, that's gold. That is flat out gold. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, two games on the playoff schedule tonight. Bucks hosting Brooklyn and Milwaukee in Game 3 of their Eastern Conference uh, semifinal. Brooklyn leads 2-0. That game will get underway at 4.30 Arizona time. Then it's Game 2 of Jazz Clippers and Utah. Jazz looking to go up 2-0 in that matchup. Rudy Gobert of the uh, Utah Jazz named the NBA's Defensive Player of the Year for the third time in the last four seasons. Gobert received 84 of 100 first-place votes to beat out Philadelphia's Ben Simmons and Draymond Green of the uh, Warriors. He's also only the fourth player in league history to win the award at least three times, joining Dikembe Mutombo, Ben Wallace, and Dwight Howard. So pretty uh, pretty rare company there for the guy they call the Stifle Tower. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, did you see this, Bick? What's that? The D-backs lost on the road. Oh, I did. Uh, yeah, I did see that. They fell 4 nothing to the Oakland A's to cap off another winless road trip and extend their losing streak away from home to 19 in a row. Yeah. The woeful D-backs offense can uh, manage just two hits in the game, a Tim LoCastro single in the second and a Cattell Marte infield single in the sixth. And that was it. They won't lose on the road today because they're not on the road. It's a day off before they host the uh, Angels for a three-game weekend interleague series starting tomorrow night. And I know we've hinted at it. We haven't talked a ton of Diamondbacks because, you know, the Valley's got Suns fever right now. But if this continues, what kind of changes can you expect? Would it include a, a managerial change? I know Gambo squelched. That thinking yesterday on the Burns and Gambo show that Tori Lovello is not going anywhere, but you can't stand completely pat if you're the Diamondbacks after well, after witnessing what we've witnessed. I, I I don't know that what I think they'll do is trade off players. That's what I think they'll do. I I, I think it really just comes up as we talked about yesterday. Does Tori Lovello want to see this thing through? 
I, I think out of respect to him, they'd say, listen, you want to part ways? You want to deal with this? Because we're going to break this thing up. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I, I don't see that there's any imminent reason to fire him. This is not a managerial issue. This is not an underperforming baseball team. It's a bad baseball team. And I thought Derek Hall was hysterical this morning. He came on. He's like, thanks a lot, guys, for bringing me on to disrupt this great civic party to talk about a baseball team with the 19-game losing streak. Appreciate that. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, at least he can read the room. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, according to our own John Gambadoro, the Coyotes will interview Mike Van Ryn for their uh, vacant head coaching position. Van Ryn worked on the staff of the St. Louis Blues. Previously was the head coach for the Tucson Roadrunners of the AHL. Of course, they're trying to fill the seat. That was vacated by the uh, mutual parting of ways by the club and Rick Tockett in May. And the Cardinals, uh, they signed second-round draft pick Rondale Moore to a four-year deal. The former Purdue star being signed mean that the Cardinals have now inked every member of their 2021 All draft right. class. Congratulations. So everybody's in the fold. There you go. There's your splash. For Thursday, June 10th, 2021, we got a lot of thoughts to share on the Suns' win in Game 2, so we'll dive into all of them next. It's Bickley and Murata live from the Ak Chin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. I think it's an unselfish group. Um, they're willing to make plays for each other. We share the ball. That, that's part of our DNA. And, you know, it helps to play together for a long period of time. I mean, we, we don't have the experience that a lot of the playoff teams have, but we've had this year to, to gel, and uh, we've had a lot of close games at home and, and on the road, so that helps. Um, but I think having Mikhail and B.A. and Book together in our system for two years certainly speeds up their that process. And Jay and Chris, you know, those guys can – Pretty much play with anybody. It's Monty Williams, head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Thoughts on his team after a, just a really impressive 48 minutes of basketball last night. They beat up on the uh, Denver Nuggets 123-98 to in a game they led by as many as 31 points. The Nuggets scored the first bucket of the game, and then the Suns answered with an 8-0 to uh, eight nothing run. It got close a couple times after that, but they never were able to regain that lead. No. It was... It was about 47 minutes and 30 seconds of domination last yeah, night. Yeah, uh, and I think right now you're just looking at a Suns basketball team that is just too much for Denver to handle, and Denver knows it. And the they've got a desperate head coach who keeps doubling down on his criticism, grasping at straws, and you've got a Suns team on the other side that is beginning to harness and understand the scope of their power, and it's 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 awesome. This is... What's really cool about this is there's a purity to this that you only get once. And we, we had that once with Joe Johnson and Steve Nash and Amari in 0405. Mm-hmm. And then it all begins to slowly change until it gets to the point where money and ego eventually work their way into the conversation. It always happens. Um, and we'll be it'll be a miracle if it doesn't happen here X amount of years down the road. As of right now, this is as good as it gets. These basketball players are so grateful for the energy you, Suns fans, are giving them 
while you feel so grateful for the joy they are giving you that it is rolling hot right now. And just an hour ago, Mikhail Bridges tweeted out, quote, I love our fans. He's doing that because he's sitting around maybe before practice, after whatever, and he's thinking about last night. As a performer, he's still buzzing from last night. Mm -hmm. That's what's going on with this basketball team right now. Yeah, it's certainly a big story. Um, and we talked about ingredients, what the Suns needed to do in this series, uh, and the postseason for that matter, but in this series specifically. Any questions about defensive intensity with the Suns, them being able to sustain that in a, in a postseason environment, have been completely washed away. And that's been a while, but again, they brought defense last night. Yes, Denver did some favors and missed a lot of shots, but there were some possessions where my jaw dropped what the Suns were doing defensively, making mm-hmm. Denver look bad. The uh, Another question we had at the beginning of this uh, series was, okay, Jokic is going to be the MVP. And if he plays like the MVP, obviously a major boost to Denver. He's been okay. I don't I don't think he's played at an MVP level. No. Uh, he had no. a better game last night than he had in game one, but that didn't mean anything because everybody else had a worse game than they, mm-hmm. did, than they did in game one. But if he was going to dominate that post-battle with DeAndre Ayton, which he hasn't done, the Suns were going to have to make their hay with the top three guard matchup, with Booker, Paul, and Payne against Compazzo, Rivers, and and Morris. And that has been a two-game domination by the Suns' backcourt. Mm -hmm. And they haven't... It hasn't been a ton of heavy lifting either. They haven't had to rely on Devin Booker to score 30 points. They haven't had to rely, uh, even though they've got it in a stretch last night, of Chris Paul taking over the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been an absolute whitewash when it comes to matchups, strategically and competitively. The Suns' backcourt has owned this series so far. Yeah, okay, so if last night was a story of a team that really locked in defensively, and that kind of was the foundation for everything, uh, the individual storylines would have been DeAndre Ayton picking up a quick, a couple of personal fouls and and what happened thereafter. And for Dario Saric to come in and have himself a postseason moment and for the for the fans to just kind of understand what it meant and to really go overboard in, in appreciating what he was doing. It just like I said, it speaks to the kinship here. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really at a crazy, crazy level right now. And and so you had a Dario Saric game and a Suns worst strategical nightmare not manifesting itself. You had a team that started to pull away in the second half, and then you had Chris Paul just uh, just the assassin. We'll get more into Chris in Paul later uh, later on in the show, yeah. but just top of mind thoughts. <laughs> He's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, I likened it to, and it's like this in, in close games where things are going back and forth, and Chris Paul just gets to a a point where he's such a steadying force, and he realizes what he can get offensively, and he gets it. When the Suns need a bucket in close games in the regular season, and uh, you know he got those buckets. But last night it was different. It was, I don't want to play anymore in this game, and I'm on the court right now. I'm going to take things over. There's blood in the water, and I'm a shark, and I'm attacking. Yeah. What yeah, he felt like what that. he did to Denver's defense from a passing standpoint, mm-hmm. shooting threes, getting to that elbow jumper, clowning on him. Uh, I mean, it was it was clinical. Yeah, it was it, the 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 shimmying, the the ball wizardry, working the crowd, setting guys up, making them look bad defensively. It, like I said, there was a ruthlessness to his game at the end last night that was just beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it was like wow. 
that's that's that makes you think that that this is really capable of, of happening. If if he is at that level, that's pretty cool. And, and then there were a couple of times near the end of the game that the you know the Nuggets were so frustrated they tried to kind of create some stuff. Chris Paul wasn't having any of it. He just like, nope, I'm good. Jay Crowder at the end with. Um, Aaron Gordon, nope, I'm good. It's they're they know what they're doing, and it's 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 they're in a great place. Yep. Uh, about that defensive effort, too. Here's Monty Williams. I just thought it was one of our better defensive halves of the year um, against a really good offensive team. We just were relentless with our effort, our coverages, communication. It, it was it was pretty good. Um, there were a few breakdowns. But the guys knew what the breakdowns were right when they happened. And um, just thought our defense carried, carried us the whole night. And um, then we started knocking down shots, you know, in the third. Uh, we had, you know, two big quarters in the second half. But it was, it was really balanced tonight. You know, the scoring, you know, Chris had 15 assists. But across the board got contributions from everyone, but it was just the effort, effort and will that I, I saw out there on the floor tonight, and, and that travels, and, and we're going to need that when we go to play against these guys in a couple of days. I'll say this. It should have been worse than it was. <laughs> While the Suns were playing really tough defense, forcing Denver into missed shots, and, mm-hmm. and, and to Monty's point, Denver shot 36.7% in the first half, 4 of 22 from three-point range. I think Michael Porter Jr. did the Suns a favor, too, by continually shooting early in that game and just throwing up brick after brick. That kind of set a negative yeah. tone, I felt, uh, just in, in energy from, from Denver. And I know what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. He's trying to give a lift and also trying to see what he had because he's bothered with the back injury. Um, but, yeah, defensively, man, uh, it, it, it was amazing. But the reason why I say it, it could have been worse, and maybe we'll get into this later on as well, if I have a concern right now about the Suns, they were presented with umpteen, wide open, nobody within 10 feet corner three-pointers last night, mm-hmm. and they weren't hitting them consistently. And they're too good, uh, they're individually too good of shooters to not make those shots, but that's admittedly nitpicking. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that after... For a team that was up 30-plus in the second half, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that to be problematic. I just... Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think that one of the cool things, too, after it was over was uh, Jay Crowder was kind of asked about his salsa dancing in Los Angeles <laughs> uh, with LeBron James. Yeah. And, and he basically said, look, I, I did what I had to do to, Lebr- to LeBron. Yeah. Here's Jay Crowder on that. I saw a little stuff, but <laughs> that was last series. I was trying to move on a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, but definitely the the fans and um, the interaction with them, with that, with that situation has been great. I'm um, just... That was the last series. Uh, I felt like we got disrespected a little bit game three or whatever. So I, I did what I had to do uh, in the closing game. But uh, I've moved on to, to Denver now. Uh, ho- hopefully, uh, once we win, win the whole thing, I can salsa with the crowd, salsa with, with the fans, with some, some of the Phoenix fans here, uh, once, we win a, once we bring a championship home. So that's the goal. See, now that has to become a thing. If, you know, if they get to the NBA, if there has to be some sort of public salsa with Jay Crowder. And people from Phoenix, if they win a championship, that would have to be part of the victory parade. Who's How's the, that for getting ahead of ourselves? Who's the company that's going to come out with Jay Crowder salsa? salsa. Yeah. yeah, right. Think about that. And you're absolutely right. Jay Crowder is is becoming uh, very beloved for very unique reasons 
and very Raja Bell-like reasons Mm -hmm. for his hardcore work against a Lakers icon. Yes, and uh, I made this point earlier that when Jay Crowder hits three or more threes, the Suns usually win. Yeah. He's on a streak now of five straight games with three or more threes. They're five and oh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he he set the tone early last night, too, and didn't do it at a high volume. He was actually very efficient last night in Uh shooting the basketball, which you don't say normally about Jay Crowder. What a night. He was fantastic. More on uh, Suns Nuggets game, too, including uh, a growing story. Not only are the Suns a growing story nationally, the Suns fan base is a growing story nationally. We'll get into a last night sampling next. Spickley and Murata here on this Thursday, live from the Akchin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports App. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Hey, this is crazy. This is crazy. I'm impressed with that. Yeah, a little sampling of the uh, crowd last night, one of the many chants they broke out. Uh, There was shirtless dancing. There was a lot of volume. There was a wave. There was, like I said, chants. Then you hear uh, Chris Haynes after the game with uh, Chris Paul on TNT. Chris Paul's seen a lot of stuff. So for him to use tone like that, mm-hmm. uh, adjectives like that, um, this is not common. No. And, and I saw somebody on, on Twitter, um, a member of Sun's Twitter, and I forgot to mark it, but compared this to the We Believe Golden State Warriors, who ultimately didn't win anything. They were an underdog team, but they yep. went on a nice run. And that I had had that thought earlier in the series Yeah, uh, yeah after game one. That that's the level of passion that we're seeing from the Suns fans right now. They know something. They know something's up, uh, and and they're they're getting on board and they are engaged yeah. with every move this team makes. It's yeah, phenomenal. It, it's, it really is. And so you know, you, you had the the Tory Craig alley oop that sparked those four young homies to dance in the yeah. audience in Game One last night. It was that little dude, the little chubby dude. Can I say that? And he took his he took his shirt off to the crowd, and everybody went nuts. The way that went down because the camera or the, they they switched the camera onto him, yeah. and it looked like he was just getting done dancing. Yeah, and then he he, he got sheep it. he got yeah. sheepish for a second. But then he got brave. But then he started getting encouragement, yeah. and he took it. Like he unreal. took it to eleven, it rips his shirt off. Ever. We've heard a lot of, uh, like I said, volume in that building in the first two games of this series. I don't think it's been louder than when mm-hmm. the minute the minute he ripped his shirt off was about the loudest thing I've well, ever heard. It, and it was so so such a fearless thing to do, and it was such a great moment of symbolism for the crowd and for the power and for the moment. And, and not just that, this this crowd is so young, it's so multicultural, it is so real. I love it. I mean, it is fab. It speaks to the NBA demographic. It's much younger. It's it's everything baseball does not have. And now you now you throw in a really good team with really cool players. This is what you get. You get magic. Well, and it, it, it's so great too because not only has it been uh, a, an impact, a, a factor in this series, to my in my opinion, is that it continues to grow. And after every game. 
you get the exchange. Okay, the fans gave the players energy, vice versa, but the players now throwing it back in terms of the love they're giving to the crowd. Uh, Chris Paul, after he did TNT, also spoke via Zoom to the uh, media. He talked more about Man, it. Man, it's crazy. Um, it's it, it got a little loud, and it got louder, then it got crazy. And I remember covering my ears, and coach was like, Chris, get back in the huddle. <laughs> and uh, it just shows you how important the fans are to the game, <laughs> you know. Uh, obviously, the bubble was an experience last year, but it's nothing like having the fans at the games and their energy. Um, I missed it. Yeah, um, and the fans missed it too. Mm-hmm. And and differently from the players who were in the bubble last year participating to, to close out the regular season and in the playoffs, um, you know, the fans here in Phoenix not only missed that last year, yeah. they missed it. For the last eleven years, and not being in the playoffs for that long, this so you used the word pent up yesterday. Yeah. It's a perfect way to describe it. There's been people waiting to explode in a positive way about this mm-hmm. Suns team, and we're seeing it come to fruition. Yeah, and and again, it's it, I I've we've seen it in places that generally Suns crowds don't even go on their best day. And that is the anticipatory stuff, the seeking out moments, the encouraging moments. Uh, the way they just reacted to Dario Saric making really good plays last night was a fan base that wanted to shower him with love, that had been watching him from the bubble last year, mm-hmm. charted him through his successes and his struggles this year, and w- were really vested in trying to make him feel good. I mean, it's uh, when I talk about purity and sincerity, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's it's just so authentic. Yeah. And it's it's really it's just it in the first two games it's been way too much for Denver to handle. They can't get their arms around this team or that environment. They just can't feel comfortable. Yeah, they've got nowhere to go. I'm glad you brought up the Dario thing again uh, because I felt the same thing. There was so much support for for Dario, who really had a a, a, you know rough patch to end the season. Uh, Had a you know when he's had time in, in the postseason, it hasn't gone well. I thought, you know, in game one, he gave some some good minutes. He really impacted the game last night. Mm-hmm. Because when DeAndre Ayton did have to come out, uh, and for the first time in the series, Monty Williams wasn't able to match Ayton for Jokic minute for minute, and Sharage was yeah. in there. I know there were people bracing for the worst. He held his own, which was what people were asking for DeAndre Ayton in this matchup in this series. Just hold your own against Jokic and let everybody else win yeah. the game. You get down to your second big, and Dario Saric does it while providing some offense, hitting a couple of big threes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you noticed it. He made two of the most ridiculous passes I've ever seen, where he wrapped the ball around a defender on the baseline for a corner three that didn't go. But I was like, wow, he, he's he's dialed in. And I'll say this as a plus: you know, if you're not a star player in the NBA, and Dario Saric is not a star. He he plays a role on whatever team he's on. Mm-hmm. Those role players are really susceptible to to peaks and valleys. And you have players like Jay Crowder who you don't know what you're going to get from game to game. Dario to me he strikes me as a player that when he's going good, he's going to be good for uh, you know a stretch consistently. If he's going bad, we'll see maybe a bad two three weeks, maybe a month. So the fact that he played that well in game two. At least the way I view it, bodes well for for him yeah. and, and making a contribution the rest of this well, series, and maybe the doubt, rest of the postseason. Without a doubt, I um, and this is one of the things that I think uh, we're gonna, going to get into here. Um, going into this postseason, I really felt like okay, the Phoenix Suns have got a shot at this because they've got two end game closers and Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and everybody else can just kind of 
played little tiny roles and not get in the way and not do anything stupid. They're winning in a completely different methodology, and it's just this balance this team is showing now. It's absolutely insane. They've got eight rotational players now who have had signature moments or signature games in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Eight of them. The only one who hasn't is Cam Johnson. And that, that to me, that's the way you build a, an unbeatable team. Because the bigger the game gets, all those young guys have these moments to lean on and to draw on. Dario Sharge, the next time he takes the court, I'll bet you he, he's going to feel better about it than he has in months. Mm-hmm. You know, Torrey Craig has kind of got his mojo back and his playing time back. And, you know, Frank Kaminsky even made a three last night. I didn't want to bring him up because <laughs> I thought you might get all verklempt. <laughs> hey. I brought up a nitpicky stuff earlier. (laughs) Let's nitpick another thing. All right. Those Suns, when it's garbage time, those Suns players have to be better. They were all minus (laughs) six last night. That is not acceptable. That is not acceptable. You're funny. Zeke Naji's raining threes on you. Uh Vlatko Chanchar is getting time and scoring. No, obviously nitpicking and and having fun. That's Um, funny. Yeah, I know it's it's what a what a time and 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 it, for the the fact that you get to experience it from the vantage point you get to experience it from I can, I can only imagine what that's like. Well, that part I I I hate tooting my own horn. The players are doing it, the fans are responding. Mm-hmm. But to be involved in that exchange of energy, yeah, has been it's always cool, but when it's at this level, it's pretty it's pretty moving, actually. Yeah, yeah you don't have to, to tell be me kind about of that. to be kind of the conduit between the two oh, yeah. at, at a lot of times. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. No, I, I, it's it's riding the lightning, man. It's the way to do it. Yeah. So this is uh, they're in a great place, and it, what's even better about this is that any other basketball team um, that did what what the Suns did to the Nuggets, going on the road now with the two zero advantage, going into high altitude, any other team would be ripe for a letdown game for thinking it was over, for getting too far ahead of themselves. Once again, they got the perfect guy in Chris Paul who will not let that happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good what, place. Yeah, when that guy's setting the example, you have to feel pretty good about things. But you called it yesterday. You said Suns win going away. I just, I feel They like, won going away. I feel like they've just got something. They've harnessed something incredibly powerful right now, and, and Denver can't touch it. Yeah. Um. The next, the Western Conference Finals are going to be un. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Yeah, I was going to stop, stop you. I'm no, glad no, you no. stopped I'll, yourself. Let me just. <laughs> I was going to reach over and shut your microphone. <laughs> I just <off>. rewinded <laughs> that. I just rewound that. Look, we all expected a much more concerted effort from the Denver Nuggets in Game Two, and got exactly the opposite. And Michael Malone, the head coach of the Nuggets, sounded a little desperate two games into the series. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. You cool people, you better leave now because it's about to happen. This is the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. We had a lot of guys play really bad tonight, uh, and then we allowed the, the, the impact of not making a shot to affect... Uh, the other end, and it was really, I mean, playoff basketball, can you sit down and guard one-on-one? Um, it was, this, this was just an embarrassing performance 
all the way around from top to bottom. Michael Malone, head coach of the Denver Nuggets, who after game one suggested that his team had a soft mentality and that raised some eyebrows because it was the second time he had to do it in the postseason. He went uh, he went scorched earth last night. Uh, and I got to give credit to Erin uh, Maloney, who produces Doug and Wolf. Uh, she sent this over to me. She put this together, a whole montage of, of language from Michael Malone last night that doesn't paint a very optimistic picture for his team moving forward. I saw one team that uh, wanted to be here and play with a purpose and urgency uh, and one team that did not want to be here. And there's a reason that their crowd is yelling sons and four and they're calling for a sweep because if we play like this back in Denver, uh, this is going to be a really quick series. It was, this, this was just an embarrassing performance uh, all the way around from top to bottom. Literally, I saw guys say, I'm not making shots tonight. I'm just going to walk around and mope, and my body language is going to be poor. I felt we quit tonight. Uh, we, we had no juice, no energy, no passion, no fight, no urgency, no grit. Come up with whatever adjective you want to use. We did not have it. I, I guess for game three, I'm just going to try to find guys that will at least go out there and leave it all on the line. Uh, I may have a hard time coming up with five guys that fill that we have a great crowd, but if we play like this, they're going to boo us off the court, and rightfully so. <laughs> Disappointing, and that's an understatement. Play with no urgency, uh, and that's why we got our ass kicked. Yeah, pretty much sums uh, it up right there. Uh, you'd have to look long and hard in NBA archives to find a coach dressed down a team the way he just did. That's Publicly? I mean, yes. Yeah, publicly. Yes. That, is, that is crazy. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that is going to be received. Uh, I always find it fascinating when, when a coach feels compelled to do something like that. You go on journeys with basketball teams, and when those journeys are, are, are mostly roundly successful, which the Nuggets journey has been, they, they did remarkable things in the bubble. They would be much more um, dangerous right now if Jamal Murray was, sure. was healthy. Obviously, he's a great player. For him to do that, I, I don't know what that's going to elicit inside the locker room because it, it's one thing to call out a team that's dogging it, but it's another thing to call out a team that just knows they can't hang with the opponent because now you are asking the team to do something they know they cannot accomplish yeah. and the coach is laying all the blame on them. I, I think it's going to be a really interesting psychological study going into Game 3 because if you were if you watched the game, if you were there, you watched it on television – you saw it. When Chris Paul hit that three to put the Suns up 26, they went to to a timeout. The Suns stretched that lead to 31. I made it a point at, at, you know, at, at that very moment to look at the body language of the players, not only on the floor for the Nuggets, but also on the bench. And they had no body language. They, it was, we don't want to be here. So, I, you know, do I agree with what you know, Michael Malone's assessment of his team? Absolutely. Am I surprised he said it? Somewhat. Mm. Unless he just knows that we're shot, we can't, we got nothing left in the tank. And another thing to consider, we just, you know, the Suns just got out of a series with the Lakers where I'm not even going to chalk it up to an excuse as maybe a, an element of the series. The Lakers really short off season after having a long run in the bubble last year mm-hmm. was well chronicled a 71 day off season before they were back at it. They were, you know, they were hit by injuries all year long and they never really found their footing. Yeah. Are the Nuggets 
is this the beginning of them hitting oh, a wall after oh, they made a deep yeah, run in the bubble? That's a great point. They're, they're the only Final Four team from the bubble that's still standing. So, you know, they're into that next round, and they certainly look like a tired basketball team last yeah. night. Um, I saw this statistic. Uh, the condensed NBA season this year after last year's season has had a real significant in- um, impact on injuries. On average, NBA teams combined for 5.1 players sidelined by injury each game. Each game. The most since they began tracking that data in 2009. So each team on average had five players injured every game they played. Do you all think that they needed to play 72 games this year? Or, like, would 57 or 58 be okay? Well, 70 is, again, that number that they have to hit for the the magic number for local television revenues to kick in. So I I don't think there was much wiggle room there. From a competitive standpoint, Jesse, I think, you know, 50 would probably do it. And I think a lot of people would say that in a normal year, 50 would do it. Uh, But there were reasons for for 72. Yeah, inventory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so that that is just the facts of the matter here. And we we all know which route the Suns chose, and and it it paid benefits. They achieved home court advantage, which has been a real advantage. And and I think that's something Chris Paul even said. He reminded the guys that this is why we did what we did. So Mm -hmm. we could be up 2-0 in this series on a team that is – their ears are ringing by what they experienced. I, I felt, I have rarely felt any stadium in 20 plus years as partisan as that basketball arena was last night. It felt like those players in white on the Nuggets bench were trapped in the Roman Coliseum. Yeah. And they couldn't do anything about it. I know you remember this because we were there together. 2017 Diamondbacks Dodgers mm-hmm. National League Division Series. We made it a point. The stadium was pretty much full, which is weird before the game because, you know, the late-arriving L.A. crowds. But we made it a point to walk the concourse all the way around the stadium before yeah. that, that first game of that series. And we both had the same observation. There's no Diamondbacks fans Not a here. a single one. I yeah. never, ever thought that I would see that kind of mix or partisanship, as you called it, in mm-hmm. Phoenix, Arizona for a sporting event. But yeah. we're seeing it. Yeah. There's a few Nuggets fans sprinkled in. Um, they're they're hard to spot and they're really hard to hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll say that again. Um, so it it's to me how the Nuggets react to that is going. It, it will be well, fast. I mean, clearly they're going to have to try to do something. Uh, for him to go down that road that I can't find five guys who are laying it on the line for me. I, you know, that's that's quite something. Yeah. Um, I also find it interesting that Nikola Jokic for the second game in this series, came out and disagreed with what his coach said. So Malone goes scorched earth on the team. Jokic is asked afterwards, do you agree with that assessment? I mean, I don't think so that the guys, that the guys quit. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're losing a lot, you can always kind of put your hand down. Maybe we put your hand up, put the put hand down, but uh, head down, but I, I don't, I'm not sure that we, we quit. I didn't quit, so... I'm not going to talk about myself. Yeah, and and that, again, seeing the, the results of that, but I, I felt that there was one play, and it was pretty early on too, Bick. It was still in the first half. That breakaway steal and slam for Devin Booker, mm-hmm. there was not one Nuggets player that did anything 
to come back. Yeah, to run I mean, down court. Yep. Devin Booker had already slammed the ball and was hanging on the rim for, for two seconds before anybody even crossed half court for the yeah, Nuggets. It yeah. took them a long time well, to get to the ball to inbound it. I even worried that the fact that nobody on Denver got back on defense might earn Devin Booker a technical for hanging on the rim when there's nobody in the vicinity. Mm-hmm. He hung on the rim because that's what you do when guys are chasing you down from behind. There was sure. no one chasing him down. <laughs> it's crazy. Um like I said, maybe Malone knows something. Maybe this is just a desperate last last card in the in the hand mm-hmm. trick. You you got to play this card after game two because he knows he's overmatched. And um, you know, I, I think if you took even the crowd out of the mix for the first two games, yeah, the Suns are the dominant team right now, yeah. and, and they are rolling. They've won five straight games. Yeah, they've got to find a way just to win one game in Denver. If you, if you get game three, obviously, then you can hone in and, and think about sweep, but. But you're going to get you're going to get one stretch of hellacious basketball from Denver before this thing is over. It might carry them to a win in one of the next couple of games. It might not, but the Suns have to get out of here with one win. Yes. That's the bottom line. Absolutely. Uh, coming up next, as we do the day after games, we open up the phone lines to you to share your thoughts. 602-260-9870 with the Suns up 2-0 in the Western Conference semis over the Nuggets. Your phone calls next here on Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.